change can be very challenging and it can come with a lot of loss. So instead, the question has to be like, how do we manage it? And one of the things that I think we can start by doing is recognizing how we tend to experience change. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Can you future-proof your career? If you future-proof something, you design and change it so that it will continue to be useful or even successful in the future if that situation might change. Future-proofing is the process of anticipating the future and developing methods or minimizing the effects of shocks or stress of that future event. In a time of uncertainty, the very best successful know how to adapt and find opportunities. What do you need to know right now in order to adapt and thrive when others shrink back? Could you benefit from a guide to facing an uncertain future? We're pleased to be joined on the program by our friend, Jason Pfeiffer. Jason is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. He's a keynote speaker and the author of the book, Build for Tomorrow. He's a startup advisor and a fellow podcast host of two other programs. And the second appropriate name after his book, or shall I say the book after the program, Build for Tomorrow. He was also named by LinkedIn a top voice in entrepreneurship for 2022. Jason, welcome to Twins Talk It Up. How are you today? I am well. Thank you for that very energetic introduction. Well, Jason, we met at a tech conference where you were one of the keynote speakers, and I appreciate the time you took after your keynote speech to sign your book for everybody there, and this is his book. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk about your book, the research, and the work that you're doing. Uh, This is going to be fun. Oh, I appreciate it. I, th- that's like often my favorite part of doing these things because I, I've heard myself speak plenty. I know exactly what I'm going to say up there, but I never know what people are going to say when they come up and chat. And oftentimes people have really interesting questions or, or, or comments or insights, and I'm always out there to learn. This is Danny. And from time to time, we'll let our audience know who's asking our amazing guests certain questions. Jason, speaking of the book that you recently released, the title of that book, once again, is Build for Tomorrow, an action plan for embracing change, adapting fast, and future-proofing your career. I love it. That's a great book. David, thanks for showing that book right now. Now, whether you knew it at the time when you wrote this book, but times of certain can bring, you know, really good opportunities. I know a lot of times people say, hey, the best opportunities in life came through uncertainty, came through difficult times. The times I grew the most was during these down times. In other words, your book is just well-timed. It provides stories, it provides tools for success while challenging the mindset of leaders, regardless of the levels of their responsibility. In fact, I guess on one of our recent episodes mentioned how much they have been enjoying your book. Oh, It was certainly, yeah, exactly. 
So in our audience, when we get done, we'll make sure that we leave your information along with your book so that people know exactly how to get a copy of it. Uh, yeah, I got to say, what am I even doing here? You guys just, you're, you're, you just, you can pitch my book without me. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and continue to listen to this. This is great. <laughs> well, we're really, we're really excited. Your book is very timely. We actually had, uh, uh, they actually have a lot of people during this time. If you think about what's happening now, Microsoft just let go of 10,000 employees yesterday. It's going to be, it's going to happen over a gradually period of time. They load off a thousand employees the week before that. Then you have Facebook laying off thousands of employees. Amazon's laying off thousands of employees. There's a lot of people when they feel their identity, they feel that their self-worth was in that organization or in that career. And at this moment, it, this is timely. It's a great opportunity, not only for the individual, but it's a great opportunity for that organization to pick up a copy of your book. <laughs> uh, because a sense of loss and a sense of fear, that's exactly what people are going through at this moment. So what, are you, what about you? What other feedbacks have you been receiving? What type of responses have you got recently? And I'm going to say, not only just receive, but how can people take what you're receiving and apply it because of the book? Mm. Yeah, those layoffs are pretty wild. Uh, Google, as we're talking today, just announced a layoff of, I think, 12,000 people. Uh, very intense. And uh, you, you had mentioned in that very nice setup that when people lose their jobs, they often feel like they lose their sense of identity. And that is a real problem. And that is the kind of thing that we can really protect against. When I talk about future-proofing, you can't literally future-proof your life and your career. You can't do something now that guarantees what is going to happen tomorrow. But what you certainly can do is that you can spend time now making yourself as adaptable and prepared for change tomorrow and resilient to the change by thinking deeply to start about what it is that is your core transferable value and what you do that is distinct and separate from the work that you do or the role that you occupy. So that when a big change comes or whether you're considering a big change, you feel more prepared. Now that's pretty abstract. So let's make it a little more specific. I think that what everybody should be doing right now is coming up with a mission statement for themselves. A mission statement that is what I like to call the thing about you that does not change in times of change. The thing in which you could articulate in a single sentence what you do that is distinct from the role that you occupy or the tasks that you perform. For me, for example, I do not say I am a magazine editor. I mean, I do not say, I obviously do, but like I don't say it to myself. Like my mission statement to myself is not, I am a magazine editor. It is not, I am a book author. Why? Well, because those things, or I am a podcaster or whatever, because those things are all so easily changeable. I mean, I'm a magazine editor. I don't own Entrepreneur Magazine, which means that somebody could decide to fire me. They could do it right now as we're talking. And so if that is my identity, I am one phone call away from losing it. Not a good place to be. Instead, I'd rather define myself this way. I tell stories in my own voice. I tell stories, stories, not magazine stories, not books, not podcasts, not anything like that. In my own voice, that is me setting the terms for how I'm going to operate. I would really push everybody listening right now to think about for themselves, what is that single sentence starts with I, only a few words in which every word is carefully selected because it is not subject to change. 
as I talk to leaders, to entrepreneurs, to executives, I, I have a whole exercise that I run people through to get to that sentence. And I, I share it when I give talks. I think I did it in Baltimore. And um, afterwards, people come up to me and they tell me these great, awesome sentences. You know, they tell me, I, I'm actually a, like, I help people achieve their dreams. I help bring joy to people. I help teams maximize their work. I help companies grow. I solve complex problems. Now, once you think about yourself like that, if you get laid off, look, it sucks. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It sucks and it's alarming and now there's a loss of income. But one thing you have is a clarity of purpose. And you can start to think about what is my transferable value and where else can I be really, really valuable? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny, and I really appreciate you breaking that down. This is very crucial, very important. No matter what is happening, turbulent times, all through that, you know for sure. And that's, that's very clear and concise. I appreciate you saying that, Jason. Uh, after interviewing so many leaders, so many organizations out there, and because of what's happening with the pandemic, we see people working hybrid, remote, all the stuff that's happening. What do you think the future of the work is going to look like? What do you think is going to happen in the future? Do you think we're so, going to stay 100% hybrid? Do you think we're going to go back and forth? Uh, do you, what, what do you see happening in the future? You know, so there's a funny thing, which is that in 1923, one of the most well-respected 
futurists and engineers, electrical engineers of the time, a guy named Charles Steinmetz, predicted that in 2023, the year we are living in right now, we would all be working four-hour workdays, and that the rest of our time would just be leisure. And the funny thing is that that didn't exactly happen. Nobody is listening to this and probably enjoying their four-day workday, four-day workday, four-hour workday. But uh, it also kind of did happen because the workday back then was much, much longer. It was also much harder, physically taxing. And people tended to work on Saturdays and sometimes Sundays. And they worked later in their life and they worked earlier in their life, right? So they were working more years and more hours during the week. We now work fewer hours during the during the week. And we also work less during our, our lifetime. So you could actually kind of average it out to be about four hours of work a day. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because we do not know how to tell the future. And even if we're really good at seeing how something is going to change, we can't really predict how it is going to play out. That was the challenge that Charles Steinmetz had. He did accurately predict that technology would make work efficient enough that we would work less. He just didn't understand how it would actually play out in culture. And so I am not here to tell you what's going to happen in the future because I will be wrong. I guarantee it. But I will tell you this. I think that what we are witnessing right now is a really fascinating shift in how work will be done and how work can be done and a recognition finally that there can be major changes to how work is done and work can still get done, which is why we're seeing companies now experiment more with remote work and even with things like the four-day work week. But I think we're just at the very beginning of that exploration. And the future of work to me, I will not predict what it will be, but I will tell you that I feel pretty confident that it will not be a kind of mono work culture in the way that it was before. I think that companies are now liberated to think more about how to shape work that works for them and for their employees and for their culture, and that lots of different styles of work are going to take hold. And those things are going to evolve over time. But that to me feels really exciting because it feels like the world of work is finally evolving to meet the changing abilities and needs of the technology that we have and the workforce that we have. This is David, Jason. I appreciate you sharing that. And the truth of the matter, as you've kind of made clear in your book, is that you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be willing to adjust to the times. And now we're looking at the incredible talent in your workforce. When you think about your talent that you have and you're building around them, they mm -hmm. become more productive. And when they become more productive, you become more profitable. So it does seem like we're changing the mindset behind how we do work, which is what I think you're getting at. And I love that. I also want to state that I appreciate the point you made about what is your mission statement. When mm -hmm. we define that why, we define that driving force within each of us, it goes beyond just what we do as a task or what we do every day to quote unquote, check in the boxes of my to-do list. And, and so I've got to ask this from a person who loves stories. And in your book is full of stories. And, and I think what's amazing is you've taken some of these incredible stories throughout history. And mm -hmm. you said, let's look at it from a different angle, whether it's the bubonic plague, whether it's the introduction of uh, being able to play music differently, where we get yeah. this concept of live music, right? And so I love how you integrate these stories 
to paint a different pictures. So for somebody who interviews leaders of all levels, what have been some of the more fascinating interviews or what would you consider to be more memorable of the interviews that you've had in terms of not just compiling the book, but just in general, because you interview people of all different backgrounds. Oh boy. Well, that was an interesting setup because you were talking about the history. And for me, the history is not just about digging into history books. The history stories that I have in the book are really drawn from interviews with historians who I love talking to because it's the closest you'll get to taking a trip back in time. It's not just facts, but it's people who understand to the best of our ability, the logic of the worlds that came before us. And so while, you know, then you asked about interviews more broadly and I, and look, I've had the pleasure of interviewing uh, just an incredibly broad range of people from A-list stars like The Rock to uh, just really interesting entrepreneurs doing all sorts of stuff that maybe you've never heard of, but that are making a difference in their communities. And then these fascinating historians and the the through line of it all, and this is what I would really encourage people to do this. This isn't exactly an answer to your question, though I ha I'm happy to come up with uh, a specific interview that I really loved because there were so many of them. But the thing that I think is, I've learned that I want people to think about is the incredible power of talking to people who have a different experience from you and who have spent a lot of time learning something that you don't know that well. There is, you just cannot begin to imagine what you will learn because it is outside of your current realm of knowledge. A lot of the stuff you had mentioned, the, the bubonic plague for one of them. Right? So the bubonic plague is, a, I tell the story very early in the book about how the economy that we have now, the very structure of it, the idea of a, of a labor contract that people who do work should be compensated for, that really comes out of, at least in Western tradition, comes out of the bubonic plague because the bubonic plague killed all of these serfs, which basically the slaves that the, the lords, the, the, the landowners um, had owned. And so when there weren't enough serfs for all the lords after the bubonic plague killed 60% of Europe, lords had to start competing for serfs. And so um, they started compensating for them uh, or they started compensating them for the work. And uh, uh, anyway, I that story is fascinating, but let me tell you what's underneath it. What's underneath it is that there is a guy whose name is Andrew Rabin, who is a medieval scholar at the University of Louisville. He's a English professor there, teaches mid middle English, uh, among other things. And I call him once or twice a year, I've been doing it for years, whenever I have some wacky question, um, which sometimes it's, I mean, I've called him to ask things like, did anything good come out of the bubonic plague? That's what I called him to ask at the very beginning of the, the pandemic. But also one day I got wondering, what can we do today that was only available to royalty in the Middle Ages? We're like, how, how are we living like kings and queens right now, all of us, that we don't appreciate, but that was once only available to the most elite people in the world. And, and that's a fun question. I could Google around to get an answer, but I'm going to call Andrew because he knows and he can tell me really fascinating answers. By the way, there are like all sorts of fascinating answers to that question. I'll just give two. One is, um, one is quiet. 
the ability to be in a room that is quiet and be with our thoughts was something that was really only available to the elite because they lived in castles, whereas almost everybody else lived in like very crowded places where, you know, sometimes like people didn't have like rooms for themselves or like, you know, if you lived, if you were a, um, a, a worker, a regular worker in medieval times, you lived with like your whole extended family in like a single room. You didn't get to have quiet. And then, and then also, um, uh, smells, the, the ability to smell whatever we wanted, or at least not to smell filth all the time was also only available to the wealthy. Uh, it's really interesting. So I love that stuff. And I find that in business too, calling someone up and saying, you know, I've been grappling with how to think about this or that thing, or this leadership thing, hearing those insights from people who just simply know more than you do is going to enrich your mind in a way that you cannot imagine. Talk to people. Talk to them, especially when they know things you don't. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Jason, this is David again, and I love that you brought that out about how people can be so fascinating. I think Barbara Walters actually mentioned that about why she enjoyed interviewing so many people is they're fascinating. You can learn so much from them versus just going online and, and doing a search. Why not get it from someone who's living that, who's teaching it, who's breathing it? And to me, that's so incredible. And what I want to talk about real quick in terms of your book, you know, we tend to fear change. Some of us are very routine oriented. We like things to stay the way they are. We like our coffee to be the exact same temperature at the exact same time every day. We can't get out of bed unless we do the same routine. And yet when, when change happens, we have to respond. And I think what's interesting about it is for some of us who've been around, we know before there was the DVD or the Blu-ray, there was something gone the dodo like the beta or the VHS, you know, we, we had different types of cassette tapes and, and we think to ourselves, why did you have that back in the day? Well, that's what we had to listen to music. And now you have all these choices. You can stream music, but if we don't adapt, we're stuck with our vinyl albums and they're just sitting there, right? So Jason, why should we treat failure as valuable information 
something that can help inform what our next steps should be. Because in your book, I believe you talk about how we should embrace change. You talk about the four phases of it, and that's panic, adaption, finding that new normal, and don't go back or wouldn't go back. Mm -hmm. So what are some thoughts that you have as to what we should do to embrace change? And before you answer that, I was intrigued by this by a story you had in the book about how uh, I believe it was during the pandemic. I don't know if it was your side of your family, or your wife's that you have in Colorado. And by the way, yep. for our listening audience, I love Colorado Springs. I love that entire area. But you, you talked about what it was like being there. It wasn't the same as the hustle bustle in New York. It, it, it was kind of like, well, how do I capture my thoughts? How do I get to my own adaption? And I think your life spelled out these four phases. So talk about the four phases of why we tend to fear change and what we could do. Yeah, so like you said, the chain, the four phases of change, panic, adaptation, new normal wouldn't go back. It's something that everybody goes through. And the difference between people is simply how efficiently they can go through them. Some people use panic as a propellant forward. They use the panic to say, oh no, there are things that I don't know yet. I got to figure out what they are because that's where the new opportunity is. There are other people who say, oh no, I'm losing something. I better hold on to it as tight as I can. And I, I understand the instinct to want to hold on to what you're losing. The problem is that you're losing it and it, you're holding on to it is not going to bring it back or make it relevant again. It's, it's a question of like, how much time do we want to spend debating whether something should happen when it's already happened? And so that's what I mean about figuring out how to embrace this stuff, because it's just, it's just literally the only option that you have. So, you know, what I don't want to do is just stand up and be like, you should learn to live with it because that's not helpful. And change can be very challenging and it can come with a lot of loss. So instead, the question has to be like, how do we manage it? And one of the things that I think we can start by doing is recognizing how we tend to experience change. We experience change as loss. When something new happens, we immediately identify the things that we have already that we're going to lose as a result. And, you know, that's, that just couldn't be more human. Uh, decades of psychological research have backed up this thing called loss aversion theory, where we are more concerned with protecting against loss than we are with gain. But, you know, the thing is that gain is there. With any change, there is some gain. And so instead of thinking about all the things that we're losing, important as they may be, we need to start putting our energy towards recognizing and identifying what potential gain is going to come out of this change and then start to move towards it. How can I recognize an opportunity because, before others do because I see that there's gain here? Um, you know, so Three simple questions that you can ask yourself to start. Number one, what new thing is happening? Number two, what new habit or skill am I learning as a result? And number three, how can that be put to good use? That by itself starts helping you reframe what the value is of something. I don't care if it feels like there's no value to it because frankly, if it's what you have, then you got to figure something else out. Um, uh, if you are, if you were laid off from a job, for example, that sucks. I'm not here to tell you that doesn't suck. And I'm not here to tell you to get over it, but I am here to tell you that you're not going to get that job back by thinking that it sucks. So instead, it's time to start saying, what opportunity can I create out of this? Even if I didn't want it, there is an opportunity right now to redefine myself, 
to think deeper about what value I have, to start to strengthen my connections, to identify new opportunities, maybe to start something new. The time is now. Jason, before Dan goes and asks his question, because I know my, my twin wanted to ask you something, it makes me think about this illustration you put in your book. You said, sometimes we're not ready for one change until we experience another. It's mm -hmm. like buying a new couch for your home. The addition doesn't make sense until you move things around to accommodate it. And so change can be difficult if we don't change our mindset, if we don't change our structure or our habit or even our, parad our view of how we look at it. But once you make the adjustments around it, then it seems to make more sense, or at least you come into it differently. So I just want to say, I thought that was a perfectly well-stated statement in, in the book that you had there. Go ahead, Danny. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is Danny. Jason, great job on explaining that. As David said earlier, it's a mindset, a very mindset thing, just taking something that has happened in your life and just rephrasing that to yourself can make a momental I mean, a huge impact. Yeah. This is one of the things we do in our my organization, my company that we have. We do a lot of corporate training and leadership development training is, is taking that phrase and just changing it around just a little bit. And, and you know, failure is just fundamental to growth. It is part of growth. It's going to happen. And I do appreciate your sensitivity to tell people, look, losing your job, it sucks. It, it, no one can say it's a great thing. It just sucks. But how can you look at it and then internalize it in a way to where you see that you have potential, you see that you are amazing, you see that you're awesome, and what can you learn from that? What can you develop? What new habit can you form? From? All, everything you said is profound, and we know that internally, but we just don't act on it, and that's why we need to act on it. Sometimes we think that that's just the way it is. I'm doomed to failure. Man, that's all mindset. That is all mindset. Just change that phrase, and that can make a profound interest. Can you tell us a story, what you, what, maybe one of your favorite stories uh, of failure to success? Because I know that our listening audience, they're going to be really inspired by not just that one story, but your whole book, which has a lot of great stories in it. But can you just share just one? Because we still want our audience to go get the book. We don't want to give away your whole book. But can right. you just share one uh, success story from failure to success, please? I'll tell you, thinking uh, Baltimore, which is where I, I first connected with you guys. So in Baltimore, there's a woman whose name is Lena. She runs a company called Lena's Wigs. It's a storefront and it's, they sell wigs. And she used to operate that storefront as a storefront. Um, just as I say, people can come in, they can browse wigs. And then the pandemic came along and she was unable to operate the way that she always had as every business did. And so she's trying to figure out how does she stay afloat? The only thing she can think to do is something that is not some radical idea, but rather is something that she had just always thought was a terrible idea for her business. And that is appointment only. Do appointment only. Why is appointment only bad? Because appointment only is friction. Why would you add friction to your consumer? Why not just make it easy and just let them walk into the store whenever they want? But she's got to do it. It's the only thing she can think about, or it's the only thing, it's the only idea that she, she has uh, for how to save the business. And she goes to appointment only. And when she does this, she discovers two amazing things. Number one, sales and profits rise. Number two, consumers are happier. Why? Well, because as it turns out, the people who were walking in off the street into her storefront, they were not her customer. They were people who were browsing. They were curious about wigs. And Lena was paying somebody to greet these people who walk in off the street. 
Her actual customer is someone who, it, I mean, Lena knew this, but like, you know, her actual customer is someone who is shopping for wigs for very personal reasons, usually medical or religious. And those people are really, really happy to have a private experience, to book an appointment, have a private experience without a bunch of randos who are coming in off the street. So Lena had been paying somebody to greet the people who were not her customer at the expense of of people who were her customer. And once she made this change that she was forced to, and she discovered that actually her customers were happy and they were they were buying more and she was making it easier for them to buy, she shifted her entire business model. She started to invest heavily into digital um, and, um, and she started to explore other things that she never thought about before, like virtual fittings. And she has found that actually this new version of her business is much more successful and also much easier to operate. It is a wouldn't go back moment but it started like all do with a lot of panic. Well, Jason, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today with our audience and for talking about your book. More than that, I think our audience is going to feel your passion. If you're out there listening to this, make sure you go pick this book up, Build for Tomorrow by Jason Pfeiffer. And if you get a moment, go to his website. He's got a free downloadable course for you. And you're going to be able to find that and then also look for him on his podcast platforms. Jason, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thanks for being here with us. And please come back and share with us again in the near future. You got it. Thanks so much, guys. Awesome. You're the man, Jason. I appreciate you, bud. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com. To learn more about our workshops and trainings, we will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.